The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail. Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well. But now you're back and it's our duty to keep you safe and warm. Shake your hand and welcome you back home with open arms. We're America, your family, the land of liberty. We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free. We are America, and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors, and we breathe red, white, and blue. We're America, your country, and America wants you. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition. Your hosts are Gary Ray and Ted Griffin, Jr., in our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here are your hosts, Gary and Ted. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the American Heroes Network. My name is Gary Ray, along with our very special co-host today. Filling in for Mr. Stephen Lee is Staff Sergeant Charles Eggleston, Army retired. Good morning, Charles. How are you? Everything's great. Just uh, living the life, as they say. Just uh, (laughs) That's right. right. I was just telling, uh, before the show, I was telling uh, Linda and Pam about uh, the weather down here. It's lousy. It's only 76. And they they didn't like that comment. <laughs> well, you know, Steve, <laughs> Stephen had to attend an important meeting this morning, and he'll be back next week. And speaking of meetings, I think Charles has more meetings than President Obama. He's one busy guy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we get caught up in the uh, in the rigmarole, as they say. All right. All right. Well, American Heroes Network is very excited about a new miniseries that's going to run for the next six to eight weeks. We're going to talk about that on this show. It's called A Veterans Caregiver. It explains uh, on the VeteransCaregiver.com website how it provides a peer-to-peer support for special assistance for our caregivers and veterans. It's a safe place to air questions and frustrations on and offline, but also provides individualized assistance when you hit the wall. It's about the visible and invisible injuries. We have two very knowledgeable young ladies with us today. They're going to explain to you the simple truth of caregiving. Uh, I would like to introduce Linda Crater, President and CEO of Wise Health, along with Pamela Stokes uh, Eggleston, MBA and Senior uh, Consultant. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? 
Good, good. Well, I'll tell you what, Linda, why don't you start off telling about our listeners about your background, and then we'll go over to uh, Pam for, the, for hers. I'll be glad to. Uh, I became interested in working with veterans' families after a, a lengthy career in pharmaceutical fields and found that there were gaps in communication with families in terms of how they could access resources, how they could help their wounded, ill, or injured service member, that there were many organizations that were willing to help, but no real way to coordinate communication and have peers helping peers. One of the things we found out is that if you have caregivers of the wounded, ill, and injured, which most people don't even think about because they think agencies help them, the Veterans Administration, the Department of Defense, and they do indeed provide health care assistance. However, when you go back into your home community, there are many areas that you feel lost in. You're no longer in the military system per se. You've lost your unit cohesion. The families that you served with, and while the veteran or the service member is often very, very well looked after with some of the best medicine in the world, the families had not been getting the attention. I began working with Pam, who is the outreach director for Blue Star Families, a large, large uh, family organization for those in the services, and we realized that there was a gap in terms of supporting family members. So Veteran Caregiver came about to provide advocacy, resources, accessibility, peer-to-peer networking so that caregivers can help caregivers, best practices can be shared, and the latest and greatest in terms of new medical um, treatment uh, could be offered and shared because information is power, and without it, people are lost. Pam, would you like to add to that? Sure, Linda. Um, yes, as, as Linda said, um, I work with Blue Star Families as an outreach and external affairs director. I'm also the co-founder of Blue Star Families. Um, we started in 2009 um, uh, as a result of there not being um, sort of that outreach enough or, or enough programming, enough um, things that we could tap into. And during that time, uh, I met uh, Ms. Linda Crater, and I also had to deal with uh, your guest host, uh, my husband, um, as his tenure at Walter Reed was very lengthy, and I had to sort of hit the ground running by learning to become a caregiver of a wounded warrior and deal with uh, visible as well as invisible wounds. And so um, that, that has been a challenge for me, and um, I am glad to say that Linda and I met um, at, at just the right time and we and she's done a lot of work, a lot of good work with VeteranCaregiver.com and uh, through her Wise Health platform to uh, sort of expand the knowledge that's out there and some that isn't uh, for for our veteran and military family caregivers. And so I'm I'm glad to be a part of this program, and I'm really glad to uh, collaborate with Linda um, at my work uh, with Blue Star Families. As am I. Yes, yeah, so I'll tell you, there, there's something that when I went over your site, Linda, I think, uh, you know, we all realize, uh, you know, when we see the visible injuries, but there's a lot of us that forget about the invisible injuries, and that's a big factor out there. Um, well, I think it's, it's one of the most concerning factors for families because it, you can't see it. Obviously, being invisible, that makes it difficult, 
but it's also hard to assimilate into a community where you may still have great medical needs, but it's not seen, and therefore you're not understood. As you know, less than 1% of the population serves in the military, and yet as they're reintegrating back into the community, if you can't see the injuries, you may not understand some of the behaviors. You may find it to be off-putting. Um, with the, there are two signature injuries of these wars, and they are PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as TBI, which is traumatic brain injury, or more commonly known as concussion. But they have difficulties and challenges for those who have it and for those who care for them. And so one of the big reasons that we're very keenly interested in doing this radio series is because being able to explain to the general population at large and some of the smaller communities that they are, there are things they can do if only to be aware of that the medical groups in, that people are seeing in the local communities can be aware of these things and begin to ask their uh, new patients as they're coming into the communities, have you served? Have you been in combat? Uh, there are some very basic questions that, that you will find the military community is an extremely humble group. And so they don't really broadcast what they've done and where they've been. If you've lost a, a limb or something that's visible, people will be more than likely to ask you what happened. But if you can't see something, seeking help or being able to support someone is much more difficult. And so we're really grateful for the opportunity to be able to share this with the general public and with our families who need to understand they're not alone and that we affirm and recognize the caregivers' role in supporting both visible and invisible injuries with their veterans and families, as well as taking heed of the children. Right. Well, I'm from the Vietnam era, and I'll tell you, it took 38, 40 years uh, for them to realize that these were true injuries, the true. invisible ones. Okay. Sure, sure. It's about time somebody comes up with them. I mean, we waited long enough. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and thank you so much for the Vietnam vets who stepped forward to help this younger generation because they have been a huge help in terms of supporting those who serve right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that. Um, you know, I know I don't know one vet out there from Vietnam that uh, uh, isn't for our veterans today, and they'll do anything to help. They will. We agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Pam, what's uh, what's the involvement? I, you said that you're part of the Blue Star family, and and we all know that. <laughs> but what's the involvement of the Blue Star family, and and uh, uh, you know? As far as his uh, veterans, uh, uh, the visible and invisible injuries go. Well, uh, Blue Star Families um, has a, a myriad of uh, innovative programs that really focus on all aspects of the military family. So, if you have a veteran that's in need, um, and as Linda mentioned um, previously, that's dealing with PTS or TBI or any types of uh, combat stress, um, that's going to affect the family, it, and it's almost kind of you know, common sense to know that it's going to affect the family. Um, we have to deal with this in, in terms of being proactive and instead of reactive. And so Blue Star Families uh, does an annual survey, and the 2012 survey, last year's survey, revealed that uh, PTS, TBI, and combat stress was a top concern for military families. 
uh, 26% of these respondents reported that regardless of if they were diagnosed with PTS or TBR or not, that their service member had exhibited symptoms of PTS. And so I think that these things are really um, important to note and to, to keep in the back of our minds when we're talking about uh, this uh, sort of revelation in terms of invisible wounds. Um, we know that the drill downs in Afghanistan and Iraq are imminent. We know that there are more than 1.4 million active duty service members and more than 850,000 National Guard and Reserve service members. So those service members are attached to family members. And by family members, we're talking parents, we're talking spouses, we're talking step-parents, you know, we're talking children. And um, so we have to really be cognizant of what that means in terms of family, what that means in terms of, um, you know, folks coming back, dealing with these types of uh, uh, um, invisible wounds. And if they know or if they, if, if they are even aware that their service member is exhibiting these, these symptoms. Um, I know when I was dealing with Charles um, early on in the um, OIF or Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2005 that people thought, oh, you know, he's not really exhibiting, this isn't combat stress, and oh, this, you know, he, he just needs to, he's acting this way, he's, you know, or, or, or she's doing this. And in and, and this sort of flippant um, reaction to standard post-traumatic stress disorder was disheartening to me. Um, and um, disappointing, to say the least, um, in our trials and tribulations uh, while Charles was at Walter Reed. And so um, I became involved and became a co-founder of Blue Star Families because I was tired of seeing that type of treatment, seeing that type of uh, flippant attitudes towards um, um, these invisible wounds um, such as traumatic brain injury, combat stress, and the like. And so... Um, and then the effects on the children are really critical. Um, our survey revealed that the effects of deployment on children was a top concern for military families. And um, VeteranCaregiver.com with Linda Crater and Blue Star Families partnered to put together a handbook for family and friends of service members um, that's coming out on March 22nd. And we're really excited about that. We've had great partners help us put that together, including veteran uh, uh, VeteranCaregiver.com. NBC Universal and Vulcan, and and this is going to be an ebook. It's going to be um, very accessible um, to all of the military families and military service members. And so we are really trying to get in the front of this again, being proactive instead of being reactive when it comes to looking at invisible wounds. Well, and Pam, I'd like to continue right on that. One of the big problems with these invisible injuries is they don't always manifest themselves at the time they're going through their final medical evaluation. Sure. You mentioned sure. your Vietnam era and still struggling with some of these things. One of the things that we can help them do, and Pam and I have worked together closely on this, is that one of the largest signs that something is wrong in a family is that there's discord and distrust or uh, un unpleasant communication. Fractured families, unfortunately, is one of the that something may be deeply wrong. And it may be that the person is exhibiting some different behaviors than they had before. Sometimes they'll say, well, he's not what he used to be. Or she's acting very strange. She wants to be left alone. All of those are good cues for family members to know that perhaps they should suggest an evaluation, a, a quick mention to the right. primary care provider, 
etc. But there are signs that families don't even know that something's wrong. And right. so if we can share that, that makes right. it very important because then people don't feel alone. It's not right. just he, he or she is being a jerk. He or right. she has a genuine organic problem that can obtain treatment and become better. Right. Okay. Linda, could you hold that thought a minute? Uh, we're going to take a quick, short break. Uh, you're listening to the American Heroes program, powered by the Voice of America, and we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join your hosts Gary Ray and Ted Griffin Jr. as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back again, uh, Linda. I think you were in the middle of <laughs> saying something before we jumped into a break. Oh, I think I was just about concluded. I was simply talking about the need to let families know who see certain behaviors in their family that it might be an excellent time to suggest an evaluation and to ask for professional help if they see suddenly a behavioral change. That's true. That's true. And Charles? Hey, you know, I agree with you on that, Linda and uh, Pam and Gary, but... um. You know, the, the, the part that you, you know, you guys, you know, really got me with, and I've seen you work so hard for, and I haven't heard it yet, is the hidden epidemic. The hidden mm -hmm. epidemic in the, in the VA and DOD system is the female veterans and yes. female wounded warriors and the, just the female populace. Uh, I was looking at, at a report that came out day four yesterday uh, by the University of Oregon, uh, Oregon Health and Science University and Portland State University doing a comparison. And it was talking about, they did a query of the six most popular, you know, veteran popular states. And they, they did a, a tally. And 
the age the age younger than thirty five were sixteen times more suicides mm-hmm. happened than the normal population. And as Linda was saying, it's a two year b- backlog on this preventive care. But what Linda didn't see is in this same report, it was talking about over seven hundred and forty five thousand calls and queries have been unanswered by the VA system totally. And these are suicides, suicide calls. And these just out of a 16, 16 state query. And I started looking. I was like, ah, oh, well, that's, that's, that sounds kind of suspect. Let me go to the, the veteran crisis hotline and see what they have about female or veterans, you know, suicide prevention. They had nothing about the female veteran. They just said veterans. Uh, right. Suicide sure. pre- prevention. Right. You know, once I dug deeper, I saw the University of Yale sued, has a lawsuit, an active lawsuit against DOD and the VA system for refusing to put out statistics of missed calls and the total number of completed or successful suicides among the VA, the veterans, female populace in the VA system, in the DOD system, and the male populace. They've been putting a watered-down version of both. It's called an estimate, not an actual. So an estimate could be 3% of the total. And you're saying, I just estimate this, even though I see the, the true factors, the true numbers. And, you know, you can say as long as you're inside that 3 to 5% margin, you can legitimately say, hey, well, we only lost 200 guys this year. And you know for a fact we lost more than 4,500 this year through the suicide. You know you know, I like what the Yale the Yale, you know, University of Yale is doing um by doing this lawsuit against the the VA or the federal government to force them to tell the truth finally. Because you have, you know, certain operations, you have certain organizations that's out here doing the great work behind the lines. But DOD and the VA system is trying to take all the all the credit for something they're not even attempting to do, something they're ill-equipped to do, and something they haven't staffed up to do. Uh, Linda, you probably could, you know, piggyback off of that. I mean, I've heard several cases on great work you've done. Great success. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I I think that one of the things that we strive to do with Veteran Caregiver is to create a relationship through peers and, and messaging and communicating and offline too, uh, phone calls and um, webinars and things like that. But when you can pay attention to what we'll call the precursors of suicide, which can be isolation, loneliness, anger, agitation, you're being ignored, your phone calls not returned, those are bubbling up to the surface before someone makes a suicide attempt. So we do work closely with the crisis lines and the other, there are many crisis lines, by the way, to link people up to help when they need it by making a three-way group call and then dropping back and passing them to a professional. Where I feel the gap is the greatest is after a suicide attempt, the follow-up that is needed, in other words, between 24 and 48 hours later to find follow-up to get the behavioral help, I'm finding that that's where the gap takes place. There isn't the follow-up often in a timely fashion. 
And it's very difficult to have someone who's almost taken their life believe someone cares about them if phone calls can't be returned. So we worked out kind of a triage center where we will call various people to make sure that it's proactive, as Pam said earlier, not waiting for a response if that's the case, because time is so critical here. And unless you really do reach out and care, you really could lose someone. And as I always say to the folks, we don't want another statistic. And that's what we work very hard to do. I, I, I end up doing a, a surprising amount of suicide prevention, but I think it's because we are trusted and we are there. We return the phone calls. And I will piggyback on your part with the VA, Charles, because I feel like we have to work with the VA because it's the system that we have uh, at our disposal. Right. I think we can work at, I'll call it jogging their um, jogging their system a little bit to make right. sure that the follow-up occurs because it's so important. And a, an unanswered phone call makes someone feel that they don't matter. And I don't think that sometimes the VA understands the impact of an unanswered phone call or a voicemail box that's full so you can't right. leave a message. So I, I would agree. Right. Follow-up right. is very important. And that's what they're talking about in these reports. They were talking about, right. you know, T per precursors uh, from family members were, you know, reported blame of risky behavior and substance yes. abuse. Well, we already True. know. I, you know, right. I was kissing cousins to the substance abuse because it was prescribed to me. So one right. day when I went in for a, a physical, it was like, hey, you better go into renal kidney failure. Renal failure. And I said, really? Too young for that. Ask me, did I drink? Do I do? Do I abuse drugs? No. You know, uh, it, it wasn't me, but it was prescribed. Got away from it. And that's wow. how one it, of the, that's, one of the things that Charles isn't saying is that he got off of those drugs with using um, complementary um, alternatives to come off of right. the drugs. And he made the decision, you know, Good. to do well, collectively with. You know, we made the decision for him to come off of those drugs because we know that, you know, they were going to have bad, um, in terms of his um, rehabilitation. Yeah, but, but Charles, to return back to your, your two about suicides, um, in 2012, I think there were about 350 service members, um, active duty service members committed suicide, which is a record high. My point, and my point being, is that one suicide is too many. So we can right. debate, you know, how many, you know, people are tracking or whatever. One suicide is too many, and that's the service members. If we look at um, military family suicides, which no one seems to be tracking, um, Blue Star Family Survey showed that the percentage of military family members who have considered suicide is comparable to the number of service members who have considered suicide. So, right. you know, we know that the DOD doesn't track the number of military family suicides, but I'm just saying that there's along with dealing with PTSD, there is, um, and Linda Crater brought this to my attention years ago, secondary PTSD. No, it's not in the DSM-4, right. but there's some extenuated circumstances. If you're having night, you know, terrors and you're having problems sleeping, that, you know, common sense may tell you that, yes, my spouse may have some of that. It might rub off on her just a tad or him just a tad, right. and we go back to looking at our female veterans and how they're being tracked and how their suicides are being tracked. Charles and I do a lot of work with female veterans. We have a lot of friends that are female veterans, and their needs are the same, but they're also different. If you're looking at female wounded warriors and female veterans that have been in combat, you have to look at 
um, issues that, you know, people try to sweep under the rug. <laughs> Military sexual trauma, okay, right. or MST issues, um, right. substance abuse issues, um, those impending issues that spin and turn into any types of, you know, mental health um, issues and, and, and unfortunately uh, uh, suicide issues. And so um, I know plenty of female um, wounded warriors that actually served in combat. I know plenty of female vets who have not, and they are dealing with these types of issues, and and they have specialized needs that need to be addressed. And and I know Linda can speak to some of that because she's had a couple of calls on her veterancaregiver.com hotline with female veterans dealing with these types of things. I mean, Linda and I have just talked offline about this, so this this is an impending issue. It's a It's a very important issue because... Though there are fewer females than males, obviously, in the military, the programs have not kept pace with the way society has been putting um, a greater emphasis on greater roles for women. So when you've got a two-year waiting list for a PTSD program for a, a female veteran, that's too long. And there are efforts being made to increase the accessibility of these programs but when you tell someone that you need to wait two years, um, that's just too long. And in terms of the women, they tend to be more isolated than the men. Um, right. Men tend to have the families. Uh, they may have spouses and children. And, yes, it does impact spouses and uh, children. One thing we do need to emphasize today, because this happened just a week ago, is sometimes when a veteran is suicidal, they will also become uh, a threat to their caregiver or their spouse or their children. And we need to emphasize always that safety first. When in doubt, right. you reach out and you get help. Right. And, right. you know, it doesn't matter if the ambulance coming up in front of the house is a bit of an embarrassment. It's better to be safe than sorry because it's often a cry for help. And you will find that people do attempt suicide multiple times each time getting a little bit closer. Charles mentioned risky behavior. There's the unsaid statement that there's often death by motorcycle. Right, and right. And obviously drinking and substance abuse. So, And Pam can speak to that very closely um, through her previous work. But we really, I think, want to emphasize here that the most important component of helping military families is actually caring about what happens to them and being there to support them. Half the time, it just amounts to compassionate listening so that someone feels recognized because the VA system is a large bureaucracy. So is the DOD, and bureaucracies are not known for their warm and fuzzies. Not that a warm and fuzzy is going to solve a suicidal problem, but it's a start, and it's a way to guide someone to resources that can then professionally help them mend on their way. Right. You know, you guys, you guys are phenomenal. Just totally phenomenal. I can't wait for the series to begin, but it is time again for a short break. Uh, you're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. 
Join your hosts, Gary Ray and Ted Griffin, Jr., as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Just give me a, just a couple of seconds to remind our listeners about our mobile setup. On your mobile, you have the ability to go to our mobile website where you can listen to the archive shows anytime. So that's all you have to do is put in hero, H-E-R-O dot U-B-1 dot C-O. And don't forget to check out our sponsors while you're there. Now let's get back to our guests. Now, Charles, you were talking about, uh, during the break, you were talking about numbers. You had some numbers uh, that you wrote down. Well, in comparison, like I was talking about earlier, about the rate of suicide. Uh-huh. If the rate of suicide on the DOD and VA or the veterans populace is higher than, you know, 15, 15 times higher than the normal rate. We had 1 million attempts last year and 42,000 successful. Just imagine the number of veterans or, or just regular service members that perished in that number. You know, that's, that's something to that's... think about. Yeah, that's you know, phenomenal. And the, and the wild thing about it is when you talk to these guys and some of the social groups inside the hospitals, they think it's something set up by the government. They look forward to us killing ourselves, so they want to pay us the rest of their life. I say that's a great point. I say, but what you can do to stem off that is do stuff like I did. Uh, I got into the game of golf, as you know, Gary. <laughs> I got into acupuncture. Handicap five. Yeah, yeah. I like to tear it up. You know? <laughs> oh. oh, don't get him started. So, so, you know, that's that's the fun thing about it. It's all about reconnecting with the joys of life rather than looking right, at the, right. the worst part of life. If you look at the baddest part of your life, everyone goes downhill. But we start looking up and finding something that's fun, something that's exciting, something that's just very tasteful, like a candy cone then you can't help but get out there and just have fun. And that's what I challenge most of my veterans and most of my wounded warriors to do most of the time. Hey, let's have fun. And I have the worst of the worst wounded warriors is having the most of the most fun that you can imagine. And when I say worst, worst of the worst, guys that lost all limbs and, and blind, and they're still having fun. 
doing something that they enjoy. You know, I heard so many from our from our veterans that we had on that uh, that old saying is was golf saved my life. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Well, I think what you also end up with, as Charles is, is intimating but not saying out loud, is that you build again camaraderie. You build right. again friends and buddies mm-hmm. that you can rely mm-hmm. on who understand where you've been. So it's mm-hmm. peers who can help each other, whether it's golf or whether it's volunteering at the local vet center, whatever it might be. Um, and I, I, I hope we can touch a little bit today on other things that help, such as service dogs. It's amazing right. what right. some some of these uh, families can benefit from a service dog. Because you talk about suicide, this is kind of an awkward segue. I apologize, but it just occurred to me. But right. when someone has committed suicide in a family, the spouse, the children, everyone is walking on eggs trying to not upset someone. When you realize that there's an actual medical condition that's causing problems, and perhaps you get a PTSD companion dog or a service dog, that can help heal a family as well. So Pam's familiar with the yoga aspect. We're talking about a really alternative therapy to a right. medication. Right. We're talking about alter- alternative therapies. Um, you know, Charles says golf saved his life, yoga saved my life. You know, I was dealing with you know, some of his um, residual uh, symptoms, and, you know, I, I was having issues with lack of sleep, you know, I was taking Ambien, and um, I was really, at the time that I should have been uh, tightening up my yoga practice a little bit more, fall, letting that fall by the wayside, which is interesting. When you have stress and you're going through these things, you should be sort of doing these types of yoga and golf things, you should be journaling or whatever you like to do to help you get through it. And I didn't do that, and so I suffered as a consequence. But when I allowed um, yoga to come back into my life and subsequently became a yoga instructor, um, that opened up so many doors for me where now I have, um, I I do teach some female veterans. I've had folks come to me, um, military family members um, that want to come to me and say, okay, how can I really, you know, kind of calm down and calm my nerves while I am caring for my service member or my veteran right. who's dealing with A, B, or C, right? And so, you know, that's why in my own brand I have Yoga to Sleep. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but Yoga to Sleep, how to get to sleep. I was on Ambien. What do I need to come off of these drugs to use something in an alternative method to just be able to get to sleep, to just be able to kind of quell the night terrors and some of the things that are associated with PTS or secondary PTS or even just combat stress and and related stress as it relates to the families uh, of these service members, how can I get some decent rest? And, and there are ways, there are postures in yoga that you can do that, but there are also ways to just, you know, center yourself and be in the present moment um, and, and, and do that as well. So, yes, I'm all about the um, alternative. Charles, as he said earlier, um, used acupuncture to come off of the myriad of drugs he was um, prescribed while at Walter Reed and, and the VA. And I think that that, you know, you should look at these things. You should open the doors up and just take the blinders off and look at alternative therapies. Yeah, right. I agree. Yes. And yoga, speaking of yoga, I, 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 I'm not a, I don't do it all the time, but I've tried it. And it actually works a, a bigger, bigger sweat than lifting weights. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. It can be. People think, oh, it's just stretching and bending. I'm like, mm-hmm. Come to my class. I'll show you. I'll show you. <laughs> now, Pam, Pam, are you a golfer also? 
I don't golf. And, oh, okay. I, I, you know, Charles has brought me to some clinics, and I do actually like hitting the ball with the big club. I don't know which one is the big club, um, Charles. <laughs> um, but I like hitting the ball <laughs> that way. Um, and Charles has actually done a little yoga. So we're kind of we're tapping in a little bit to each other's interests, you know. All right. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Now, now, Linda, why don't you tell us about, you know, the site. You have a lot of bloggers. These are all caregivers or, or veterans or both? You know, it's interesting. We, we originally thought we have a number of uh, caregivers who are the bloggers, but we also find the caregivers lack a lot of time, and they don't have a great deal of time to write these things down. So in some cases, they'll say, you know, Linda, let me tell you the story. You write it and put it up. And so that has happened a, a number of times. I think that, more importantly, on our message board, a lot of things, the site was destined to be a meeting place, a safe place that's non-judgmental, has an internal email system. It is, it is a calming place. There are no judgments here at all. But there are a right. lot of people who've been through what you've been through. So if you have a question about a benefit or an alternative therapy, or you have an episode at home that you're just, you want to leave. It, it, it's terrible. You have a group of peers who then respond accordingly, which gives you a lot of support that you're not making this up. You're not being overly sensitive. This is indeed happening, but here are some things you might want to try to make your world better. Also, navigating the medical system through either the DOD side for active duty or the VA if you are a veteran, is it, it's a labyrinth. It's like being in a maze sometimes. Right. And like all bureaucracies, sometimes if you don't ask exactly the right question, you're not going to get the answer you're seeking. So we help people to advocate for themselves and right. to advocate for others. So what we're building is a safety net of peers that help each other to know how to get to the next step. And if we don't know, we will find out the information for them. No one has all the answers because the regulations and the rules are not consistent across every single VA. Right. So you have to be able to be somewhat flexible, but you also have to learn how to work within the system, which means you have to learn the words to say, the way to say them, and follow the chain of command as you work it up. You learn about documentation, and you learn about keeping track of what goes on and creating paper trails because you are one of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So it is very important to know how to advocate for your family, for yourself. Uh, you learn about new programs, such as the National Caregiver Program. You'll learn what it can do and what it can't do. So it is a, it's a place that you come, that you can share best practices, you can vent, and you can find all kinds of resources and the latest and greatest from the Senate and the House VA committee so that you're, you're, you have everything at one spot. It's accessible at your phone, your iPad, your tablet, your computer. It's Internet-based. It's 24-7, and it's reliable. And again, many people form offline friendships. They start local support groups. Pam and I have been working together to try and figure out a way to allow people to start local support groups that are in person instead of always mm -hmm. just online. Online mm -hmm. is great, but it does have some limitations. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do both. 
because we realize that the human touch is so important. Technology is great, so high-tech is great for bringing people together, but high-touch is also extremely important. And we we never forget that it's the people that make the difference, not so much what they say, it's how they say it and how they go about providing the information. Yes. and and I like I like what you said, Linda. But yeah, you know, I want I want most of these guys to hear who I'm saying, because I walk on that same ground, and I've heard several veterans and wounded warriors talk about the same issue. It mm-hmm. makes it the, the largest pushback from going into the depression health center, the suicide prevention, right. is that they always label you as an illness. If you're coming out of combat and and been in a war torn arena. It's, it's not an illness. It's an injury. It's, it's okay mm. to have an injury mm. that you're mm-hmm. trying to fix. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. heal. Right. It's, it's bad for a service member to look at right. their injury as being an illness. Because illness Absolutely. is illness. And, right. you know, Charles, you bring up a good point. One of the biggest services that we provide is to find guys who are no longer with their unit or their unit right. no longer exists. Battle right. buddy. Because as you say, someone has to understand exactly what they went through too. And right. a battle buddy, someone who understands, is very important. We recently had um, an explosive ordnance person, the guy who you know undoes the bombs. EOD. EOD. Um, I, I'm trying not to use acronyms so we don't confuse <laughs> our audience. But yeah, an EOD tech um, right. was very insistent on that no one other than a fellow EOD tech would understand what he went through. So right. we found him a battle buddy, which greatly helped the family because he had someone to vent to and she had a place to go. And the kids understood that dad suddenly felt a little better having someone else that he could talk to. So what you're saying makes absolute great sense. The right. vet has one perspective. The family has another perspective. But until you've walked in their shoes, you really can't understand it. Yeah, and and the wild thing about it, it's all in the literature at the DOD level and the VA level. They're still saying illness, not injuries. I'd be glad when they start changing that word. So I hope if someone is there out there listening, has some type of input on the new DMS-5 and the new literature books that's come out for the VA. Stop labeling these depressionary, you know, combat depressionary right. injuries as illness because that's not outreach. That's putting out, no. you know. Well, no it's one not open, and I agree with you, be Charles, outreach. because we had... Right. Right, and we had those discussions about, you know, you, wh- whether or not to use PTSD and, and PTS and, right. and, and, and the like in terms of, okay, here's the, here's the stigma that's associated with, just in the civilian community, with mental health in general. If you have right. a disorder, you have this mental health issue, you have this right. mental health, um, you, you know, illness or whatever, and that, that, that implies it's something that you cannot overcome or you know, uh, uh, you, you know, move on with your life. And, and, and so if, if people noticed that when at the time General Corelli um, and Admiral Mullen before, um, before, before they stepped down and, and, and President Obama when he first got into office started dropping that D off, dropping that D off because of the stigma, and they just started doing it. 
even with people in the, in the mental health field saying well, there is such thing as PTSD and there is such thing as PTSD, yeah, we get that. But you don't have to consistently have PTSD until you're, you know, 90 and decide, you know, leave the earth. I mean, I think that it is something right. that if you look at this thing holistically and you look at the, the issues that uh, just what Charles went through and the stigma that was attached to that and, and, and the games you have to play so that you're not labeled forever as having this illness or disorder. That, that's, what it, that's what is the crux of this issue. Um, it's not so much as I can recognize that I have something wrong with me and I want to try to use all of the methods in my power that are in my reach to change that, but the stigma that's kind of attached to you as you follow your trajectory through the DOD as a wounded warrior um, onto the VA. And so, yeah, that, that's been a real issue for, for Charles and I, um, and so I really get that, but I hope that... Um, really just my hope and in, in just my background in, in substance abuse and mental health um, prior to uh, my husband's injury is, is that just in general the stigma that's associated with mental health, um, we need to as a society um, try to get past some of these issues. Um, that, that, that would be my hope. Um, <laughs> long time coming, slow and moving, but right. my hope nonetheless. Yeah. And I think Ironically, that's a good point you get more money. You, you, you know, ironically, you get more money if you word something with a bad word. If it's an illness, you get globs and globs of money. Oh, sure. If it's an injury, we just put a Band-Aid on it because it's just an injury. <laughs> well, then you, you knock you off a certain percentage because of a Band-Aid. Right. Right. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, I heard so much about that. I'm going, you're, this is crazy. It's just, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> you know. I, I think there's one little thing since we're we're nearing the the latter part of the show. Um, I think it is important to mention the children. We've mentioned them at the beginning, but there are littlest yeah. warriors, and they are less able to express how they're feeling. So, having parents have a greater knowledge of the effect on a secondary PTSD or a, 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 a home where things are changed from what they were. Um, right. before someone got home from deployment. I think it's very important that the entire family is supported, and I think Pam and I have worked very closely with lots of families um, at various levels, ages, um, and conditions to make certain that whatever resources are available that they had at their disposal, because if they don't even know they exist, they can't ask for them. So it's one of the biggest things. Uh, Pam and I do is to find additional resources and make them accessible and make people aware of them. So this show is a good place for us to be able to do that. Sure, sure. And to piggyback on that, Linda, that's one of the reasons why Blue Star Families has grown exponentially because we do encompass, yes, you have the traditional military family, but we also encompass the non-traditional military family. Going back to female veterans, Charles and I have a friend who had a child whose dad was not in the picture. She was deployed to Iraq. Who ended up taking care of that child? The grandparents. You have to look at this thing holistically and not as, oh, I think it should be this way with a nuclear family with 2.5 kids. Look at it. Look at the need. Look at what's going on. And so when we started Blue Star Families and we co-founded and we sort of expanded that view outside of the, you know, and looked at it in terms of unconventionality and just looked at it in a non-traditional way. What families, you know, you're saying battle buddies. They're friends that are actually caregivers, and you know this, Linda, that are caregivers like they are there for, like they are brother and sister taking care of that service member. And they are not blood, but they are family. 
No. Um, so right. we really should just look at that and, and try to offer resources to help these kind of non-traditional family members. And then look at the kids, like you said, and look at um, the availability of perhaps helping these children, walking through some of the issues with these multiple um, deployments, with, um, you know, op-tempo increasing, um, and, and, and how that's affecting our children, how that's affecting their grades in school, how their teachers are, are, have any knowledge about that or lack thereof has is, is, is been the case most of the time. So, yeah, um, the family, if you focus on the family, military and veterans' families, you will help the veteran. You will help that military service member. And I will add something greater. All of us are aging, whether we want to or not. And eventually, all of us will either be or need a caregiver someday. And so if we can impart knowledge and support and show the resources that exist, everyone becomes a lot more uh, resourceful in terms of being able to handle each phase of life as it comes upon us. And the military families are always evolving. And they're some of the most resilient families in the world. Mm-hmm. They are amazing in terms of what they conquer daily. And we need to support them and give them the help as they are out into the communities because about 60% live away from the big urban areas. So they're in your communities. And it isn't just a welcome home parade. It's afterward as well to make sure that everybody has what they need. And they're wonderful citizens. They add value to a community. So we don't want to miss that either. Wow. Hey, yeah, Linda, I... big, question, big question to you. For all these military families and near 12% of the OIF, OEF veterans that are suffering from these conditions right now, what is the best form or how could they contact you or Pam on, on getting better or on information or just a blueprint? How would they do well, that? Well, that's it's a good question, Charles. The easiest way is to go to veterancaregiver.com, and you can find how to reach both of us there. Um, the resources are there, and any questions, just email me. I, my email's all over the site, and right. we and are also, there to help. You know what I'd like to say is, uh, uh, Linda, your your site is totally uh, self-funded, and if there's yes, any yeah, sponsors out there that would like to get involved with a sponsorship, uh, uh, I think definitely contact Linda. Yeah. Well, that would be a wonderful thing because what we'd like to do, Pam and I have discussed this many times, is if we could find a sponsor, we would be able to provide part-time employment for caregivers who maybe can only give two hours a day, but they are bigger people than that. Remember, they were people before they became caregivers with jobs right. and aspirations, and that is what it would allow us to do if that would be possible. So that's nice of you to mention, Gary. Thank you. Sure. Thank you and also that, the Blue Star family, they accept donations, uh, and that's yes, all you have to do is go do. to the site and help go them out. Yes, I mean, that's right. what it's all um, about. Yeah, yeah. Our site is uh, at www.bluestarfam, and that's fam.org. We accept donations, um, and I'm on the site. Um, my email is on the site, pamela at bluestarfam.org. And um, like I said, we, we have partnered on the reintegration toolkit with veterancaregiver.com, and we also do other programming as well. Um, so we're focused on 
the military family as the tradition uh, and as the non-traditional family and the trajectory from military family to veterans family. So, yeah. Well, the beauty of this all shows, too, is that it, it can't be handled by just one entity. Government can't handle it all. Private organizations can't handle it all. Right, Individuals right. can't handle it all. But together, right, right. collaboratively, we can make a difference in the lives right. of these families and communities. Well, ladies, gentlemen, our show is coming to a close, and I'd like to thank Linda Crater, President and CEO of Wise Health, along with Pamela Stokes Eggleston, MBA and Senior Consultant for taking the time out of their busy schedule to be with us today. Don't forget, March 12th starts our new mini-series, so we'll be hearing more, I hope, from both Linda and Pamela. Uh, do you have, Linda and Pamela, do you have anything uh, to say before we sign off? Just grateful for the opportunity to share what we do. All right. uh, and likewise, I, 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 I'm thankful that um, I'm able to share uh, my passion with you guys. Thank you. All right. And King Charles. Thanks again for filling in. And do you have any last words before we go? Live strong and do the right thing and just have fun. All right. All right. <laughs> this is, <laughs> that's well, what it's all about. <laughs> this is Gary Ray and, and King Charles signing off. And thanks again for listening to the American Heroes Network. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and Ted Griffin Jr. again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.